Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of Sorcery and Superstition. The first fantasy author that we will be showcasing is Bethany Osborne and her short story, A Storyteller's Truth. You'll have to pardon me because I have some kind of cold and I've been just coughing. Since it's you guys, I went ahead and powered through and it's fun and it doesn't make for the best first episode, I suppose, but it will get better from here and uh, I hope it's not that bad anyways. I did my best. I hope you guys enjoy, and here is a short interview with Bethany before we get into our story. All right, so why don't first off, why don't we just why don't you just tell us a little bit about your story? Um, uh, let's see, I wrote it as kind of an assignment, but um, and this is one that I completely free wrote. I did not have a plan whatsoever, and I don't tend to do that. I'm usually a planner, but mm-hmm. um. This one just kind of flowed. I just let it go where it wanted to go. And this is the flying truth and the rooted lie. Yes. Yes. That's the one we're doing. So um, you said you did it as part of a project for school. For Were you, I, uh, what was it? Yeah, I was thinking about um, going uh, to get my master's degree, but um, they needed some short stories. So I wrote two. Okay. To send it in. And, uh. This podcast is going to specifically cater to uh, short fantasy stories uh, because throughout history, uh, science fiction and other mediums have had places to showcase short stories and fantasy has not. And uh, I kind of wanted to get a chance to change that. And so I thought it was very interesting that you had wrote what I would consider to be at least fantastical a story. Um, What inspired you to write a short fantasy story as opposed to sci-fi or just general fiction? Um, fantasy has always been more interesting to me. I, um, I like the idea of magic and, um, kind of anything can happen and sci-fi. I, I'm not that crazy about, I've never really liked it, um, with the whole technology, mm-hmm. technology aspect of it. Um, it never really interested me. Yeah. I like who the are magic some of, over technology. Who are some of your favorite fantasy authors? Oh, um, there's so <laughs> there's so many that provide different things. Um, you know, I enjoyed reading uh, the Tritz books, Art mm-hmm. Salvador and Brandon Sanderson, and um, I like the Dragon Lance books. I'm rereading those currently. Margaret um, Rice and Tracy Hickman. Yes. yes. Yeah, those are good books. They're mentioned a lot in some of the fantasy groups that I talk about, all of those. Um, the Dragonlance ones have been popping up a lot lately. Uh, a lot of inter- uh, a lot of people have been interested in reading them. I'm not sure why, but they are really good books. I liked the, the first three. I read the first three. Uh, the first, I like the first three and um, the subsequent uh, twin trilogy as well. Um, mm-hmm. And they had a, another trilogy after that, The War of Souls, I think, and I, I was less interested in that i read them all but i just didn't it didn't capture me like the original six what uh what does capture you what kind of uh themes or uh fantasy elements capture you the most um well i need some romance in my fantasy it helps a lot it helps sure. to keep me engaged and keep me emotionally interested mm-hmm. um and uh, i like uh, concepts that I haven't seen before, um, whether it be like a magic system or something. Mm-hmm. 
That'll help. Brandon Sanderson definitely engage. provides unique magic systems. Yes, it does. Um, the the Dragonlance series is more typical, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. The old sword but, and sorcery type, yeah. Yes. Um, I don't know. It, it did it really well. The characters really came alive. So I, I really I need a good so. character um, to get me involved. Oh, yeah, like really good characters. Like I like Rastlin a lot. He's a good character. I agree. He is, he's an interesting character for sure. He's mm-hmm. pretty morally gray for a while and yeah. You never know which way he's going to go. So, if uh if you could pick one of these fantasy worlds to live in, what do you think which one would you pick? Hmm. That's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> um they all have their their pros and cons. Um but they're they're all pretty tough times too, so I, True, I right, might be they, too soft to really <laughs> live in any of them and thrive. They do write these right at the beginning of some kind of crisis, right? So yeah, not appealing all the time. I don't but know. I don't know. Something about being able to or sorcerer or fighter. <laughs> yeah, being a mistborn sounds pretty cool. I always liked that one. Um, I, I that was one I really liked the uh, the magic in, probably more than anything. Yeah. I like this. I like his Stormlight archives for the characters and the vast world that he's created. That's unique and and very fantastical. Because I think we are missing some of that in today's fantasy. We don't have as much of. We have. We rely on a lot of old tropes and things, and we don't have as much of that uh, completely fantastical and weird stuff that we used to. And uh, I think he captures that pretty good. Um. See, what about, uh, do you have anything else? What else do you uh, geek out about? Oh, I'm fairly geeky in general when it comes to uh, reading fantasy books. High level fantasy, and uh, I like the teen fantasy. And, you know, I play video games and, like, wow. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, try to play D&D, but it's only semi-successful. <laughs> D&D um, can be a hard game to get going. Yeah. But I loved the Shadows of Brimstone. That was a lot of fun. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, this is, uh, for me, on my part, this is for uh, audiobooks and things. How do you feel about audiobooks and narration in general? Um, you know, I like the idea of it. Uh, I can't really listen to a book unless I've already read it. I'm yeah. not an auditory person at all. And I uh, just can't, the words don't stay with me. Sure. Um, so I have to have read it first. I get that. I actually had to go through kind of a port in my life where I was forced to before I started being able to listen to audiobooks. And now I do it fairly regularly. But I also still enjoy, you know, grabbing a paper book or my Kindle or whatever and reading as well. <clears throat> yeah, I'm getting more and more used to reading off the Kindle. The um, I still prefer the paper books when I can. But mm, Yes. The well, they do Kindle have a, is- that, the tactile sensation. It's nice of flipping the pages and stuff. But uh, I don't miss having to carry the books around with me everywhere. And I always hate when they get damaged or anything. If I wanted books, I wouldn't be to read. It would be to put on a shelf to look pretty. So I like reading on my Kindle. Yeah, I try, I try to take care of mine. Yes, Historically, I do not take care it. of my books. But. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I'm... Terrible at taking care of books, but I would like to. That's what I would like to just have a bookshelf and just set them on it. So, yeah, all right. Unfortunately, with kids, that makes it hard to do. 
Yes. Well, that wraps up all my questions. Um, do you have anything else? Are you uh, working on any other stories or anything like that? Um, I just I constantly mess around with ideas. Usually, I uh, when I go to sleep, I lay in bed and that's all I think about is <laughs> stories. I feel you. My best time that I think, and then <laughs> right. unfortunately, I never end up writing it down. I feel you. I have a lot of stories that I've never written down either. Well, uh, thank you for taking the time to talk with me about your story. And I hope you enjoy the job I do narrating it, as I hope everybody else does too. And uh, thank you all for joining us and enjoy the story. So today's story will be A Storyteller's Truth by Bethany Osborne. Now, I might not be a storyteller. But let me ask you, does that really matter if the story is true? Some might argue that it does indeed matter, while others respond with a resounding no. I plant my flag firmly in the no camp. You might find yourself asking, why is that? Let me attempt to answer this puzzling question for you. If I tell an exceedingly dull story, one would argue that storytelling must matter. For if I told it better, perhaps it would be less boring or dare I say, exciting. I must contend that if you even add one little embellishment, you are then storytelling, not relating something true. On the other hand, let's say I told the craziest story you have ever heard. Well then, you would be astounded by the knowledge that it were all true, and it would be all the crazier still. You tell me that, yes, you can see both sides of the argument, but what's the point of all this? If you will bear with me, I would like to explain the point to you. However, if you would not bear with me, then by all means be gone with you. For you, sir or madam, do not deserve to hear my story. Ten days ago, an impossible thing happened. I flew. Now, remember, those of you still here, you decided to give this story a chance. So there's no leaving now. You must settle in your uncomfortable chair, even though your back is already screaming. You must lean forward with wide eyes and a gaping mouth, for I am not a storyteller, which means I am a truth-sayer. Allow me to relate my crazy story. At the end of my tale, for a few silver, I will allow you the honor of touching my hands so that you might fly too. You only get one flight in your life, but the magic remains, hovering around you always. So, back to where I left off. Ten days ago, I flew, and by flew, I mean the ever-expanding blue sky stretched before my fingertips, the whirling gust of wind cradled me aloft in its soft mothering arms, and the ground, made up of rooted tree and rooted people, cried at the loss of one of its children, flying. Wow. You can never know the true wonders of flight, you the rooted people. I touched God that day. And he smiled at me. He did. With the sun's strands of light caressing my face in a wash of gold. Blessed I was. And I was grace itself. How did I find my powers of flight? How else? I flung myself from the tallest cliff. Something spoke within me that day. That voice said, You can fly. My bones felt light. With a running start, I met the sky. 
Invisible wings sprouted from my back to explain my feelings in one word, exultant. So, here I was, flying across the voluminous skies. Clouds beckoned to me as pillows to the tired. But I flew on because tired I was not. I was invigorated. Quickly, I outdistanced the squawking gigantic skybirds, though those pesky busybodies did their damnedest to knock me out of the sky. They screeched that I did not belong in their sky. They listened to no explanation that I was not of the rooted people. Surely they could see with their beady black eyes. I was grace itself. Far beyond the comprehension of a sky bird, I suppose. With a simple flick of my hand, one went spiraling down to turn into insignificant dust. Ha! I am invincible, and they are nothing. Nothing! They shrieked their outrage and frustration at me, but could do no more. For after all, they were just dim-witted skybirds. Tipping an imaginary hat behind me, I threw out a mocking smile of twisted lips and insincere eyes, and off I went beyond such foolishness. After reveling in my unmatched speed for far too long, I then floated lazily, letting the wind carry me at will. I studied the world around me like a fat, milk-bloated babe, wholly uncaring except for my own satisfaction. I spun in circles, drifted up and down, and flipped all around. I was fully drunk from flight. You understand, but no. Then you wouldn't, would you? You have never flown as I have. Something startling happened as I drifted contentedly. Darkness enveloped me. Night had fallen, though I had not. The wonder of flight became terror in the night. No star twinkled and no moon gleamed. I was alone, utterly and deeply alone, like I had never been before. My kindly guide, the wind, evolved into a vicious monster with snapping teeth that bit into my side and poisonous claws that slashed into my ephemeral wings. The ground grew large and the sky shrunk away. I flapped my arms madly, but my arms were not my wings. My wings were tattered, and I was falling. The trees, so beautiful on the ground, transformed into giant spears, dooming me to impalement. I screamed until my voice stretched and snapped, cutting off my ability to speak. I glared up towards God, demanding of him answers. I received none for his betrayal. The skybird swirled around me, taunting me. The slap of wings, gouge of talons, and snip of beaks tormented me by the dozens and the vortex of skybirds. With my superior intelligence, I clutched at my tormentors in a vice grip, ripping off their enormous wings, I... Excuse me, said a voice from the crowd amassed around me. My mouth hung open. Did someone just interrupt me? Me? I snapped my mouth shut with viciousness that left my lip bleeding. A low hum of conversation began within the crowd. Yes? I peered into the reams of faces, searching for the perpetrator of this heinous crime against me. A circle of people shifted away near the left side to reveal a woman. This woman dared to interrupt my story. A thin-faced woman with dark eyes stared up at me in a penetrating manner, like she was cataloging every detail about me. No sign that she was mentally unstable, but surely she must be if she rudely interrupted me. There seems to be a logical fallacy within your beginning statements. I tried to resolve it myself, but to no avail. Perhaps, with your help, we could come to some sort of resolution of it. She said, 
amusement lacing her words, but with an undertone that bespoke of strength and severity. I suppose this couldn't have waited, I complained, with an exasperated huff. I wanted to let this crowd know that this was a waste of time, completely inconsequential. She shook her head slowly, while making an annoyed tisking sound. No, no, it just could not have waited. If there is such a fallacy, then it renders this all beyond pointless. It would even cast a serious cloud on your professed intelligence and superiority. Certainly that would just not do. Why should you waste any of these good folks' time if you are not worthy to listen to? Silence fell as if the people were considering this devious woman's words. Ah, but there is no fallacy. You have wasted all these good folks' time. I spoke with a plastered smile. This woman would not undo all the goodwill I have achieved with these mindless villagers. What fallacy have I committed then? How dare she call my intelligence into question? A battle of words it will be, for I cannot lose. To speak is what I do, and I do it well. Far too well. You claim that storytellers embellish, while truthsayers state only fact. Then you assert that you are a truthsayer. Yet you could very well be a storyteller, embellishing your story with nonsense of truth-saying. I see the direction of this. I would point out that a truth-sayer would also call themselves as such. Therefore, you cannot prove that I speak not the truth. With growing vigor, I proclaimed loudly and righteously, You are the one who has done these people a disservice. Nothing sadder could there be but a half-truth, which you foisted upon them with your interruption. They will never know the end, so you have left them frustrated and unsatisfied. You have then perpetrated a crime against them and me. Murmurs of assent ballooned through the cramped space. I win. She would be thrown out and all would be right. An interesting concept, crime. The law states that it is a crime to act as someone you are not. You have presented yourself as a truth-sayer, but you are not. Silence blanketed the crowd as they strained to hear her words. You present your claims as truth. You make people believe they can fly with your outlandish claims, then they die trying. You are a twister of words, a liar, an imposter, a thief, accused the woman. The silence shattered. Voices started murmuring, growing louder and louder. Her words were creating a fervor of anger. The crowd all stared at me with hardened eyes and thin mouths. A low chuckle escaped my lips. In order to prove that one of you all cannot fly, someone would have to jump off a cliff unless you are prepared to allow someone to jump off a cliff or volunteer to jump off yourself. I do not see how you can prove that these people cannot fly from a touch of my hand. The bedeviled woman bit her lip and twisted her hands. I smirked at her. If it keeps the young and beguiled from jumping after you have stolen all their money and fled, then I will gladly jump right now, with all these people around me and you in irons. Your lies will be brought to light. You will be locked up for the rest of your life. The crowd whipped itself into a sheer frenzy at the mention of execution. Two men shoved towards me and clapped irons on my wrist. They shuffled me out the door as people shouted and pushed around us. After a five-mile hike to the top of the nearest cliff, the townspeople had quieted during their walk, their bloodlust fading slowly. The chilly air combined with the strenuous walk dampened the thirst for blood. Now was my time to dispel their doubts, allay their suspicions, and retreat full haste. Before I could work up my words to disentangle myself from this Sad mockery of justice. The woman clenched my chains with her delicate hands and dragged me to stand before the precipice. I glared at her with malice in my eyes. Turning to me, she said, I do not deserve to die, and yet 
Here I am. You deserve death, and yet you will live. I did fly, even if they cannot. I maintain that my story is true. I said to her in a harsh whisper. She gripped my hands tightly. I know that it is, she replied, fiercely baring her teeth at me. Do you know how to crush the spirit of a flying creature? Cage them. With those words, she flung herself off the cliff and plummeted straight down the side. The mundanely foolish, pathetically stupid crowd just stared out at the sky, silently searching for a flying woman. I alone peered down the cliffside after her. As her dark form neared the broken rocks and dirt floor, a bright flash exploded around her body. Soaring out of the light, a skybird squawked a sound of vengeance before disappearing in the distance. I laughed and laughed and laughed. I laughed as they hauled me away and locked me up. I laughed until my dying day in a dirty, dank cell, peering at the sky through an iron-barred window. What else was there to do? Me, superior in every way, brought down by a stupid, insignificant creature such as a skybird. Thank you for listening to A Storyteller's Truth by Bethany Osborne Narrated by M. Bradley Peters